Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Welcome to Are We There Yet? I'm Katie Gossett. And when babies come into the world, on the whole, they adjust quickly to life and find routines in this strange new environment. But when something unexpected happens, it can be pretty scary. It is hard because you just don't know what to do, really. The NZBC presents After the Earthquake. It was a straight-out explosion. The house went straight up in the air and down and up and down again. I was waking up to this violent noise. It was horrendous, and then this violent shaking. That was the Inangahua earthquake back in 1968. And, you know, it's funny. I play a lot of archival audio on this show to contrast with our so-called modern times. But a decade ago, we had another scary event, or maybe two, or maybe even about a hundred, in Canterbury. New Zealand News at 6 o'clock. A magnitude 7.4 quake has struck near Christchurch, causing extensive damage to buildings and roads. And And I looked at her, and she went white, and she froze, and she said, I want to be sick. They're quite fragile around them. They don't really like you mentioning earthquakes. They're older, but I noticed that the other day when we had that earthquake, I still gave my 18-year-old a cuddle because she was physically shaking. So, yeah, still there by a long way. So when that big earthquake sequence kicked off on September the 4th, 2010, there were a lot of new experiences for children to cope with. Watch buildings crumble, routines change, mum and dad were under pressure, ongoing aftershocks, ongoing house and life changes. That's our clinical psychologist, Catherine Gallagher. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, you'll know that we've had a few chats about how our brains function in times of stress. The brain's main job is to keep its body that it lives on alive. And so when confronted by danger or uncertainty, it jumps into action, you know, the old fight, flight, freeze. And in the short term, this is energising, gets us focused on action and out of danger. So it's great. But, and yes, clearly there was a but coming, with the earthquakes and then the aftershocks, for some people, that stress became chronic. They were quite traumatised. Being a massive earthquake, it was quite scary. She panics. You see every part of her tense. And she doesn't say anything. She goes quiet, but you can just see the fear, the absolute fear in her eyes. Now, I was in Christchurch during the earthquakes, and I remember what it felt like. It was a pretty crazy time for everyone. But the thing is, people, and kids included, handle stuff differently. Although for most it was scary when the ground shook, it might also have had some upsides. It was associated with time off school, no rules around TV watching. Some kids might even have felt scared, but when they got home and their homes and loved ones were safe and sound, actually kind of got back to normal pretty quickly. So these kids lived through something scary, but they may not have been traumatised. Because there's a big difference. Trauma is the result of a person fearing for their life, and I mean actually thinking they were going to die, or the life of someone they loved was going to be lost, or feeling completely overwhelmed by the experience. So we can see there are two quite different experiences there, and therefore we probably need two different approaches. 
I've heard parents say, well, I can't make them be in their own room because that would traumatise them. Now, if there's been trauma, it may well be that we need to manage that removal from the parent's bed or those other aspects of safety very gently and carefully. We still have to move towards independence and kind of life as normal. If they've been scared and unsettled, we can move them there quicker. Because in fact they might kick off and say, I don't want this, but we're not causing harm by moving them towards normality more quickly. Part of the issue is that as soon as the spectre of trauma raises its head, we all become really worried and cautious. And that's really appropriate, because if trauma, in terms of that person sitting with that view that their life was in danger, then absolutely we need to move with kid gloves and we need to have an individualised plan for that person. The difficulty when we take that same approach to someone who got a really good fright is that we can hold off doing things for fear of distressing young people, where in actual fact we need to kind of step in there and say, hey, this was a big deal, I'm sorry that you've had a fright, but actually we need to get life back to normal as quickly as possible. So I'm sitting here listening to this and... The big question for me, and possibly for you listeners, is how do we tell the difference? How do we know if our child got scared during the earthquakes or traumatised? In a way, as parents, you don't have to have an accurate diagnosis to know where to go. Often the best place to start is with the basics, which is you know love and support and predictability and getting life back to being consistent as possible. Your clues are going to be what actually happened So if you were separated from them and they were talking about, I was so worried I was going to die or I thought you were dead, you know, those can be kind of clues that in fact there might be some stuff festering away in there that might be of concern. Another way to tell is just how distressed they are. So going back to that bedtime example. If your child is only showing it, for example, when you say, right, it's time to go to bed now, absolutely that might be something we need to look into. But if for the rest of their day they're completely fine and functioning well, we could suspect that in fact, you know, this is about us learning how do we manage bedtime uh, in a more predictable and safe way, rather than thinking, gosh, we can't push them around the bedtime issue um, because they might be traumatised. So that's a relief for many of us. But in some cases, there will be more to a child's fears. If, however, your child's fear around bedtime is in relation to a lot of other things that might be a little bit shaky, symptoms they might be presenting with around concentration and um, jumpiness generally, having nightmares and flashbacks and their mood or their kind of way of being in the world has been affected, then we're looking at something a little bit more concerning. So what can we do about it? Well, Catherine talked before about what she called the basics. So providing lots of love and support and keeping life as consistent and predictable as possible. All of those things remain incredibly important. So You know, at the moment I'm out of my house for the second time for EQC repairs, which is very discombobulating for me, and I'm sure for my kids. But what I'm aware of, when I try and remember with my psychology hat, is that um, I have to make as much as normal as possible. Ironically, since I recorded this, Catherine is back in her house, but I'm out of mine, also for earthquake repairs. But wherever we go, we have to keep up that consistency, as well as our usual family rules. You know, if there's a fight and someone punches someone, just because we're all stressed doesn't suddenly make that okay. We've got to reinforce our rules and expectations the way we normally would. But for some children, hanging on to family routines might not be enough. They might need some extra help. If kids have been traumatised by the experiences, it does not mean they're broken. 
And with support, understanding, safety, predictability, and adults who can help regulate their emotions and behaviour, they're going to be okay. And that's a really important thing for people to hear. So some kids may need intensive therapy around helping their brains make sense of the experiences they've had. But these therapies work. Kids are adaptive and they can learn. Although the brain will never forget something that it once needed to keep safe, we can learn how to respond to signals differently and not to be scared of anxiety. Another thing to think about is who can be traumatised? I had a newborn when the quakes happened, so it's tempting for me to think that my baby was oblivious to all the drama. But perhaps I'm just deluding myself. We used to think, isn't it lucky that that's happened while I was pregnant or while my child was a baby, as they won't remember it. And while this can be true, if in amongst this experience the child's world has felt safe and secure with maybe just a few wee bumps along the way, if the baby's world was turned upside down, then the more primitive parts of the brain that are developing that influence such things as basic regulation can actually be affected. And this goes for in the womb too. And of course it depends on the environment babies come into. If they have been born into families where mum and dad are feeling stressed and dysregulated by what's happened, then absolutely this is going to have an impact for them. And that is actually a good reminder that our own reactions to the quakes or any big dramatic event in our lives affect how our children deal with it. It is hard because you just don't know what to do really. All you can do is comfort them and just, you know, we're here for them. Sometimes as an adult with the bigger shocks, try to be as calm as possible. We feel the same, but we can't sort of show it too much. And after the Inangahua earthquake, no one got that concept better than Mrs Janet Meikle. We wrapped the children all up in blankets and we sang, Happy days, I hear again, in loud voices. And once the daybreak had hit, we dressed the children and we sat them outside and got their bikes out. She then used some bricks that had fallen down in the quake to build a cooker, made a fire, got some food on the go and fed all takers. We got a table and a tablecloth and a pot plant and as many chairs as we could salvage and we said, home sweet home. (laughs) So it can help kids if we put a brave face on things. Supporting a child with anxiety or trauma can require us to stand firm in the face of our child's distress and encourage bravery while validating that this is a really hard thing that we're asking them to do. We also don't want to catch their anxiety. If we start to believe that what we're asking them to do is something unreasonable or out of hand, then that makes it harder for us to walk a line because we kind of catch their anxiety and can get a little bit uncertain about what we're asking them to do. And that's why it's so important that we look after ourselves as parents so we can help keep our children on an even keel. Most parents are doing a great job and their kids will be fine. However, in order to help our kids thrive and not just survive, parents might need to step outside their comfort zone and ask for help. Efforts are continuing to free those trapped by today's magnitude 6.3 earthquake in Canterbury that brought death and widespread destruction to Christchurch. Because the thing is, it's not really going away. I can't believe it's been 10 years. But after all this time, Catherine is still talking to new clients about their earthquake experiences. If a truck goes past or if an alarm goes off or if the wind rears up, they can certainly find themselves having a much, much stronger reaction and that can be really traced back to their experience of the earthquake. So again, part of this is around us 
understanding what that journey has been for that particular child. Because when we really get what they've been through, we can understand where they're at emotionally and help them deal with that. If they are getting really anxious, it's validating and saying, I can see you've got some big feelings going on there and we still need to do this, hey? Because it looks to me, for example, like your brain's tricking you right now. So actually, I'm not going to listen to it too much and we're going to get on and do this even if it's really tough because I'm in this with you. As opposed to saying, hey, that looks too big for you, let's not do it. Just had to get out there and brave it, really, rather than sit in the room and just looking outside thinking, um, I don't like that wind. Just sort of come outside and we could go out together, just get back into it again. Do you think that they would have been different in, in any way had the earthquakes not happened? Oh, yeah. They would definitely be more positive and outgoing, I reckon. Certainly for the younger one, he is more anxious about non-specific things like the dark or, you know, someone breaking in, something bad happening again. So when anxiety is giving a child a particular message, we need to get in there and offer an alternative. So if the worry brain is saying it's too unsafe, I can't do it, we need to get the child into that experience and getting to the other side of that experience as much as possible so that they get a counter-message that this felt a bit crappy and it was hard, but I can do this. And that's how we build resilience. And that's it. This podcast was written and presented by me, Katie Gossett, with assistance from Adam McCauley and engineered by Alex Harmer. Tim Watkin is the executive producer of podcasts and series, and the archival audio comes from Na Taonga Sound and Vision. If you'd like to hear more, you'll find Are We There Yet on the podcast page at rnz.co.nz. And maybe while you're there, check out some of our other offerings, like the new season of Healthy or Hoax, which looks at the latest fads and asks whether they really work. We're also on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join me next time when I'm going to take a look at that great catch cry of childhood. It's not fair. And how we as parents go about making things fair for our children. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.